Welcome to Dense in the Darkness, the monthly podcast of the Northeast Collaborative. We empower pastors to lead and launch healthy churches in Northeast America. I'm your host, Tim Madera from WRGN, and I'm here with NEC's president, Dan Nichols. Well, today's podcast is going to be a little different than normal. First of all, just Dan and I. Secondly, we are going to take a look at the life and legacy of Timothy Keller. Better known to many as Tim Keller or Pastor Tim Keller, a theologian, actually Dr. Tim Keller, right, Dan? That is right. Yes, he was Dr. Tim Keller as well. Yep. I had the opportunity to talk to him both on and off the air in interviews and found him to be a much more normal guy than most people would think of him as because of his messages or his books. And you might look at it and say, wow, this guy's deep. But the thing that I have learned about a lot of deep guys is that sometimes they're regular guys first. What's your experience been? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on the person I, with, uh, Tim Keller. I, I literally only got to ask him one question one time in Cleveland, Ohio at a conference. Mm. And, uh, that was, you know, one of the highlights of my life, mm. but, uh, I have been reading and hearing from people who did know him very well. And so many over the last week have just been writing and sharing, whether it's podcasts or blogs or social media about, yes, Tim Keller was incredibly brilliant and so prolific as an author and a thinker and a pastor, but his normal everyday life matched what the public persona was, is what I'm hearing from everybody. Mm -hmm. And that to me as a younger leader, uh, pastor, it just thrills my heart that someone with that much prestige and power and influence who I, I think he's, you know, our generation's Billy Graham, our generation's C.S. Lewis with better theology. <laughs> we can get into that later. But it, I mean, someone with that much clout right. really backed it up behind closed doors yeah. from everything that I'm hearing. And that is just really exciting. Interesting you mentioned C.S. Lewis because he actually credits C.S. Lewis a lot with both his salvation and his spiritual search. Yes. And I found out from his bio. So, uh, I read Tim Keller's new biography by Colin Hansen, which is phenomenal. I would recommend it to everyone. Uh, did you know that C.S. Lewis was pen pals with Tim's wife, Kathy, when she was in elementary school? No, I did Dude. not know that. So the way Colin writes it in this biography is Kathy apparently thought that C.S. Lewis was this like old codger, like, you know, stuffed away somewhere in mm -hmm. a basement just writing little stories, you know, like Chronicles of Narnia, you yeah, know, little, little things like that. like that. Yeah. And she found his address somehow and started writing him about her elementary school troubles. And he would write her letters back. She got many letters back and forth with C.S. Lewis when she was a very young girl. That is incredible. I did <laughs> it not is know incredible. that. Yeah. Well, it, it is incredible. It, it's neat to see when someone has that type of impact uh, on someone's life. And actually for us as leaders, I think it's so crucial to understand how much that impact can be beyond what we may think that simple interaction is. 
it's so important for us to understand that to us it may be a throwaway line. It might be uh, just a short note to someone. But to the person who receives that, who views rightly or wrongly a person like Tim Keller as someone who's up there and knows that that person cared enough to take that, that moment in time and send something back, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. And I, I, I've heard from people who know Tim and Kathy that they are just super down to earth people who really love uh, in practical, tangible ways. One of our mutual friends, Matthew Hoskinson, mm-hmm. uh, just wrote up a, a, an amazing thing that I would recommend to everyone. If you go to Matthew Hoskinson's blog, um, he just talked about how Tim really pastored him through several major transitions as a New York City pastor. And I would say for me, that's probably one of my favorite things about the life and ministry of Tim Keller was how capital K kingdom centered he was. Mm-hmm. Like, even though Redeemer did become a mega church, and yes, uh, city to city has planted hundreds of churches around the globe. I mean, if anyone could have been m- made that ministry a personality driven ministry or made it about themselves, Tim easily could have done that, right. but he did the exact opposite and he invested so many hours and so much effort into other pastors of other denominations, other tribes, other little K kingdoms, so Mm -hmm. to speak. And that's just, I mean, man, one of my biggest mantras in life is that God's kingdom has no turf wars. And I really, ever since I was in high school, it's been a big value of mine, tried to live that out. And just to see someone walk that out uh, on a much grander scale is just incredible. Now, you have coined a word that you use in relation to the idea of idolatry or basically putting these people up. I forget what the word is. Oh, I, I have several. I, one is comphalatry, which is oh, the that idolatry one I didn't of comfort. Know. Okay. Comphalatry. The other is rightolatry, the idolatry of rightness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but no, as far as this, I think it's just straight up like in, in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul talks about this spiritual tribalism that mm-hmm. was happening in Corinth, and he just talks about how bad that is, right? When we set human leaders up way beyond what they should. Mm-hmm. And today, I think we do see that a lot. Yeah. I mean, we see it with political leaders. Yeah. We see it with religious leaders. Um, we see it with friendships and just and even romantic relationships. Like anytime a human becomes more important than God, it is idolatry. Mm-hmm. And Certainly, that's not what we want to do with someone, whether they're, you know, it's Tim Keller or anyone else. I mean, we never want them to become more important than God. But I do see in Romans 12, this principle of give honor to whom honor is due. Right. And so that tension is kind of hard. You know, when someone who has a ton of influence and who is very um, impactful, when they pass away, what is the balance between giving honor but not putting them on a pedestal. Right. I think that's hard. That's yeah. a tough tension. At the same time, we need to look at somebody like Tim Keller who finished well, mm. because that I think is one of the other issues that we see in this day. We get people who rise to a certain level of prominence, a certain level of recognition, and then they don't finish well because it goes to the head. And uh, Tim Keller seemed to be very good at keeping his feet on the ground. Right. And so one of the more recent ones that's very public is, you know, Ravi Zacharias mm-hmm. and all that came out after he passed away. But here's the difference, I think, for a guy like Tim. Tim Keller never unplugged from accountability in the local church. Mm. 
And that is just so popular today. Unfortunately, Ravi did. Ravi was never tied to a local church accountability. And he, and this is from hearing from people who, you know, once everything came out, just kind of understanding more of the why behind it. Right. He, he rose above accountability in his own mind mm-hmm. and in the way things functioned. And that was extremely toxic and led to some really horrible things. Tim did the opposite. Right. He leaned more into accountability, more into the local church. And that is the X factor, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I'm biased because I'm a pastor, but I also <laughs> think I'm biased because I'm a Christian. Yeah. And you read the 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 Bible and you just see any time. And just with friends of mine who are even leaving the Christian faith, the first thing to go almost always is Christian community. Right. And I'm not just talking about putting your butt in a seat in a church building for a sermon. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about real, authentic, spiritual relationships where people can can help you obey Jesus together. Right. That's what it's about. Unfortunately, a lot of people look at the people that are around them and go, but they're hypocrites. The hypocrisy is not that you are trying to to be better or that you're trying to follow what God has called you to or that you're even holding others to a certain standard that you may not even be able to hold yourself to. The hypocrisy is when you don't recognize mm-hmm. the sin in your own life and you only see it in other people's lives. Right, and that's what I love so much about Tim Keller was he knew he was a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. He talked about it all yeah. the time. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, Tim... The, one of the things I've learned from Tim Keller, so his book on preaching is amazing. I, I've read, I think about half of the books that he wrote. I don't even know how many, but like I, I've read a lot of his books mm-hmm. and they're just incredible. I mean, I, I certainly don't agree with him on everything. Right. You, you don't agree with anyone, but like on the main things, he got the gospel right. He got so many things right. But one of the things I loved about Tim was. He was never afraid, especially in the meaning of marriage, his mm-hmm. book on marriage. He talks about how he and Kathy, you know, they made so many mistakes and they were so selfish. And, you know, he he had no problem sharing that. And what's funny for me is like in preaching, I come up with these ideas and I go, oh, man, this will help it, you know, stick, you know, this creative thing or this whatever. People pretty much for the most part never remember. They they never remember that stuff. <laughs> they say, oh, but Dan they, had something really clever. I wish I remembered what it was, right? Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. They're like, oh, that was something that I could tell you worked really hard on, but I don't have any idea what it was. What they always remember is when I talk about how foolish and stupid I've been, just like they have been. Mm. But I found that Jesus's grace, his, his everlasting mercy mm. has extended to me too. Right. And there's nothing more powerful that we can do for people because we're all hypocrites. Yeah, all of us. We are. We are indeed. Now, do you have a favorite book? I, I, you were you were talking about the meaning of marriage, and I actually have it right here. It's, oh. it's kind of my reference book. Oh, uh, it's it just is so good, tremendous. Yeah, I, I will tell you. So, man, pick a favorite Tim Keller book, dude. That is a hard question. I was not prepared for that. Okay, honestly, one of my favorites was the Prodigal Prophet. His book on Jonah. Okay was tremendous Mm. i i never especially growing up in church as a pastor's kid both you and i are are pastor's kids yeah you know you think you know so much and then someone like tim keller comes along and you're like 
am I even saved? Like, <laughs> like do I even know Jesus? Um, well, I'm glad you said that because that's one I have not read. And so I'm oh. going to make sure I read that because I love the story of Jonah. The end of the story is what it, it yeah. really wrecks me because at the end of the story, Jonah's epitaph, basically, his tombstone is mm-hmm. is written in such a way that it's not good. He He doesn't end well. No. And that's the difference I think when I when I look at somebody like Tim Keller and and the final words and I posted his words on my Facebook page when oh. I knew that that and he says send me home. I'm ready yeah. to meet Jesus. Yeah. And and obviously this this whole thing is exacerbated even more so because our our good friend Dr. Ken Davis is is you know getting ready to head home to mm. heaven soon so it's it's all kind of, you know, coming together and you know we may have to We'll have to see if Sharon, uh, you know, down the road would be willing to to join us and talk more about his life and legacy too, because Ken Davis is is finishing very well. But when you think about the end of like that age old principle, I think it comes from um, uh, how to win friends and influence people. But mm-hmm. it's basically, you know, begin with the end in mind. You know, that really isn't from that book. That's really from, I mean, frankly, it's from like Ecclesiastes. It's from Proverbs. Right. I mean, it's straight out of the Bible of we've got to start thinking and living now. Like, how do we want to be remembered? I One of my favorite exercises to do with leaders, I do it in a leadership cohort that is really, really, it's a, it's a unique experience. I, I tell them, write your obituary. Mm. Write what you hope will be true or what people will say. And I'll tell you, for the leaders that go through that exercise, it's life-changing for them. Mm-hmm. It really is. Mm-hmm. They they've told me just how impactful that can be. But yeah, with 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 Jonah, that end chapter actually yeah. is why that's my favorite book by by Tim Keller because he brings out so much about how relevant the story of Jonah, especially the last chapter, mm-hmm. is for modern America right here, right now, today. And like that's really our job as spiritual leaders. Mm-hmm. Like we don't make the Bible relevant. We just demonstrate, like we just need to as effectively as we can mm-hmm. r- demonstrate with our lives and our words how the Bible has always been relevant. Yeah. Uh, listen to the last, this is uh, Jonah chapter four, verse nine. This is Jonah's last recorded words. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Mm. I mean, can you imagine that? Now contrast that with Tim Keller's words. I'm ready to see Jesus. I can't wait to see Jesus send me home. You know, what's interesting is Tim Keller's last book that that just came out is on forgiveness. It's uh, my mom just got it for me. And it's it's interesting hearing Russell Moore talk mm. about Tim Keller and how both Russell Moore and Tim came under very intense scrutiny and but frankly, a lot of lies floated around yeah. social media about their either their positions or different things. Um, and it was interesting. Russell was sharing on his podcast about how irate he was with mm. this particular critic. And he's just going off on this critic. And Tim stopped him and just kind of said, well, hold on. Here, here's what they're probably going through. Here's probably the pain and the the way that they're getting healing from the pain is that they are latching on to a couple, you know, uh, famous people to just tear Tear us down. down. 
and tried to help Russell understand more of how they could, in their own hearts and minds, forgive this particular critic who had been really vitriolic toward them. Mm-hmm. And again, like that's that's the whole point, Tim. Like it's one thing to write a book, and it's another thing to preach Live a sermon. The book. Mm-hmm. But when you're living it, mm-hmm. that's when you know that the Holy Spirit is there. And that's what makes the most impact. And I know you have modeled that for me, Tim. Um, so many other men who have gone before me have modeled this where, yeah, it, you do as much as you can in ministry, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Mm-hmm. But the greatest ministry you have is just the life you live. And that's what God has called us to he has called us to be faithful. It says it is first and foremost that a man be found faithful. That's what we need to look to when we say, okay, who do we hold up as those whom we can look up to the honor, as you said, to whom honor is due. And I think Tim Keller is definitely one of them. It's it's interesting too, as you look at his story, he actually born just up the road here in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, went to a Lutheran church that my parents were both raised in the Lutheran church, then went over to the Presbyterian church and called late in life, really to found redeemer. Mm -hmm. When you look at when that church was started and where it's come in a very short period of time, and even look at how prolific an author he was, uh, you sent me a text with those, those dates, which was incredible to me. Uh, because yeah. he was he was in his forties when he was called to Redeemer, right? Yeah. So our our mutual friend Andy Needham put this up, and it was a really encouraging reminder. So Tim moved to Manhattan with his family when he was forty, and he pastored the same church for over three decades. Now and let then, me let me add something to that. When he lists about his moving to Redeemer, he says. My family and I minister at Redeemer starting oh. at such and such. That's oh, key that's to awesome. me. That is that key. That is so awesome. Uh, too many ministry families look at the ministry as one thing, the family as another, and never right. the twain shall meet. And they right. think they're protecting their kids from some of the hardships of ministry. And Tim Keller did not do that. In fact, his son involved in the ministry there as well, and his kids were as they grew up. And to me, that is important. Right. I mean, uh, in COVID, you know this. I don't know if everyone else listening knows this, but my wife Joy came to me and she said, hey, in this next season of life, like you being on the road is just really, really tough, especially raising our two young sons. Mm -hmm. And I had a choice to make. Like, am I just going to go to her and be like, no, this is what God has for us. Suck it up and deal with it mm-hmm. or or shift. And so God called us to central New York to an established church that's 221 years old. Honestly, Tim, if it wasn't for the meaning of marriage, like that book was so foundational to me and helpful for me in understanding what you just talked about, Mm -hmm. that I don't have my ministry over here and then my marriage over here, Mm -hmm. but it is all one in the same journey. And Joy's spiritual health and the spiritual health of my boys is way more important than the size or breadth of of ministry impact with other people. Mm -hmm. And man, I just, literally, I just connected that dot right now. And we didn't, we didn't have a conversation guide or plan this at Mm -hmm. all. But like, seriously, if the, the meaning of marriage 
impacted me so greatly that I knew the right decision there. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't like it at first. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't an easy decision. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's that's crazy. I, I truly think where I'm at now is in direct correlation to of uh, in part to Tim's impact uh through that book, The Meaning of Marriage, mm. which if you have not read it out there listening, you 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 must. Yeah. You must. So he's now moved over to Redeemer, forty years old yeah, as they started in that old. ministry. And then um so the reason for God was what really put him on the map. Mm -hmm. And that was published when he was fifty seven years old. Fifty seven. Yeah. And I mean, basically he did decades of ministry and then turned those decades of ministry into books. So he, I mean, at, at one point, I think he was cranking out a book like every six months or something. And everyone's like, how are you doing this? And it's like, well, he did about three decades of reading, writing and sermons and everything mm -hmm. that, you know, it just worked like that. But the reason for God was so spectacular. And I, I know for me, that was my first book that I read of Tim. It, it's really the first book that almost everybody read of Tim because very few people had even heard of him. And even before Redeemer, he was in a small town in Virginia, small church, just, I think, nine years yeah. he was there yeah. serving. Again, speaking to faithfulness, remaining faithful in wherever God has called you to. There are churches that are are huge. They never started that way. They all started small. Yeah. Then they went through the growing pains, and I know you and I have talked about the growing pains aspect because you've been a church planner. You know what it's like uh, mm -hmm. to move from the excitement of a church plant into the day-to-day, -day, just keeping things going, mm -hmm. and how do you keep that freshness? And I think one of the ways that you do that, uh, number one is prayer is yes. communication with God. I think that that we have lost in this country communication with God as an, an important thing. Yeah. Corey Tenboom said prayer needs to be our steering wheel, not our spare tire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That that's kind of what it's become in modern American society. Is it's kind of like, hey, when, when I'm in trouble, when all else goes, I got to get that out of the trunk. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They say, well, the least I can do is pray. No, no, the most <laughs> you can do is pray. Uh, in fact, he wrote a book on prayer, experiencing awe and intimacy with God. And and I think that's the key is that, that we view prayer. Look, we, we pray before we eat. We pray before we go to bed. But it's got to be beyond that. That communication with God has to happen well beyond the perfunctory, thank you, mm -hmm. Lord, for this food. Yeah, and it's really a, a daily dependence on God. And I think churches especially, I mean, we've figured out church, mm, too, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. in a modern America, we think that we've figured, figured out church. Out. And we yeah. have, I mean, I remember going down to Exponential Conference, which is a phenomenal conference. Uh, love it. But I remember walking around at all these booths and businesses that are just booming and soaring just just to do church, mm -hmm. you know, in, in the modern American way. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy how we've like, quote unquote, figured that out. But the real issue I think God's concerned about is health. And I remember, um, I forget who used this illustration, but it's like when you go to the doctor's office, it's not like tall people are like really healthy and then small, short people are not healthy, right? Like you can be a really healthy, short, uh, thin person right. or a really healthy, tall, uh, larger person. It doesn't matter about the size. Size doesn't matter. It matters matter, right? about the health. And right. that's what I think so many have got to see. And I think for someone like Tim, like I know from firsthand accounts and friends that are were tight with him, 
he cared about church health mm-hmm. and not church size. Like he did not set out to be like, I'm going to be a mega church pastor. He set out with a mega church size vision mm. and he included a lot of smaller churches and church planters in that through Redeemer City to City mm-hmm. and so many other initiatives to help uh, those who are hurting in New York City and those who are less fortunate. There, there's a lot to it that is multi-pronged, but I, I guess the, the core essence of it is just because someone is popular or someone is big doesn't mean that they're healthy or not healthy right. just because of the size. You know, right. Jesus was Jesus had thousands well, of people following him. Right. For a while, right. like for a while, he was very popular. And sometimes I think we write people off just because they have large impact or large ministries. Mm. And that's not right. Now, there are a lot of huge ministries that are just garbage. Like they're not going to. And when I say that, I don't mean that loosely. I mean, biblically speaking, it There's says no first foundation. Minute, when the fire. Yeah. When the fire comes, right. it's going to be burned, burned up. Yeah. That, that is true. I'm not trying to say every big ministry is good. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is don't write stuff off or leaders off just because they're popular or they have larger impact. And don't write leaders off because they pastor a church of 40. Exactly. When I meet, when I meet pastors here in central New York, one of the first things I talk about with them and just let them know is, hey, look, I started in ministry pastoring a church of four people mm-hmm. <laughs> and I loved it and mm-hmm. it was incredible. And yeah. honestly, there's a lot of days where I'm like, man, I, I'd love to Go be in that zone four, because, right, because right, there's, it's not about what the calling is. It's right. about our faithfulness in it. And for someone like Tim, who was gifted with a mind like he was, mm-hmm. I think he was just being faithful with what God gave him, which was like more brains than I, <laughs> like, <laughs> His intellect is really unparalleled. Like mm-hmm. I said, and I, I mean this sincerely, I think he was a C.S. Lewis with better theology for mm. our generation. Mm. And C.S. Lewis would even say that. I'm yeah. not trying to throw shade at C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis said, I am not a theologian. He said, do not take me. I am a philosopher. I'm a storyteller. Do not take me as a theologian. Mm-hmm. So I think Tim Keller took the best of C.S. Lewis, but then threw in the theology. A whole lot of really solid theology and and even learning about his, again, his biography, it's Timothy Keller, his spiritual and intellectual formation by Colin Hansen. Um, you, you, if you haven't read it, you need to just learning about his spiritual influences. Elizabeth Elliot was one of his seminary professors. Uh, it's incredible. Yeah. The wealth of information that is contained in his books is phenomenal. And I think that you're correct in that he has probably taken years and years of sermons and turned them into some of these books. I mean, when I was listening in preparation for this to a a message series and he was talking about, uh, I forget what the passage was exactly, but he said, we're going to spend the next three weeks on these three verses. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, Wow. I mean, I preached a sermon uh, on Mother's Day from the book of First Samuel, and I, I preached basically almost through that whole chapter in First Samuel. And I'm like, how do you do three weeks of sermons on three verses? That's deep. It is. I mean, it depends on who it is. So, some people attempt that, some leaders attempt that, and it's really not effective because... Okay. It, the thing with Tim Keller is that he, even though he was deep in terms of knowledge and information, mm-hmm. he always communicated for transformation. Mm. 
and and not just for those who are saved. He he was one of the most evangelistic pastors in yeah. recent memory. Mm-hmm. I mean, he loved people far from God so deeply. And that's why the reason for God was so impactful is because he wrote that mm-hmm. basically collecting, I think it was the top seven, top six or seven objections to, to Christianity God. that mm-hmm. he had encountered for several decades in Manhattan and just thought, well, I'll just address them because this, these are the same questions and objections I keep getting. Let me just compile all this down and then share it. Mm-hmm. And um, he, but, but it was transformation focused. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of leaders, so like some pastors may listen to you say that to him and they go, oh, cool. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to like, Preach I'm going to really get that, into right. the weeds on right. that. But like, if you, if you only want to do it just for the sake of doing that, yeah. Rather than, okay, how is this going to lead to the eternal transformation of my town, my city, my neighborhood, my family, the the, the congregation that God has given me? Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's the truth. You know, Tim Keller spoke to primarily a more intellectual and skeptical audience. Young, Other pastors, urban, leaders out mm-hmm. there, you're right, urban, like a lot of pastor leaders are in very, very different contexts. So to try to just copy anyone else's ministry is so foolish. I think it's a it's huge really mistake. It, you know, yeah. we have a lot of great leaders that we talk to here on the podcast. Yes. And and they come up with some really great ideas. Never take an idea and just go, hold on, bring it over here. This is the way we're going to do it. Because there is so much nuance in what they're doing and should be nuance in what we're doing as leaders in our own ministries as well. Right. I think so like with preaching, for example, the number one thing I tell preachers is be yourself. Yeah. Right. Like obviously Jesus is the hero, make the gospel the center of everything, of course. But like I find that when we try to be something we're not, Mm -hmm. that's when our preaching falls short. I would say the biggest thing to take away from Tim Keller, you know, yes, his, his manuals on church planning are good, but there's so much about the uniqueness of whatever Manhattan, other things. Now he, he has some broader principles that I think could apply to any context, mm-hmm. but some of his perspectives, some of his things, you know, you may not agree with, I may not agree with, right. and that's fine, right? There's diversity in in that and approaches, but I would say his, how he shares the good news would be one of the things that I think should be emulated, mm-hmm. right? You know, quotes like, you don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, all death can now do to Christians is make their lives infinitely better. Mm. Mercy isn't just the job of the Christian. It's the mark of the Christian. There's certain things like that, that I think we can carry forward and, and that's good to do, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's good to share how others have understood the faith and lived it out. And I think that's just part of, you know, the body of Christ when people are given gifts why not share those gifts like communication or like connecting with people in a way that is uh, very, that's stellar. Mm-hmm. Connection, I think, is probably one of the things that I've seen in his life uh, that that really impacted. I mean, he had, what, 8,000 at Redeemer at one point. Obviously, mm. you can't connect with every person there. Yeah. But they did make in the church connection a very big priority. Yes. And I think that needs to be uh, one of the things that mark every one of us as leaders is connecting with people. 
uh, said it earlier, talked about the small touches. It doesn't have to be uh, going out to dinner with somebody, uh, you know, three times a week or whatever. Just a small touch makes Mm -hmm. a big difference. And Jesus actually was the one that did those small touches as well. I think of the woman with the issue of blood. She touched him. The healing happened. And then he turned and said, who touched me? Mm-hmm. And, and he, he could have just let that healing happen. Her faith was enough and walk away. But he made that personal connection with her, the woman at the well, Zacchaeus, others that he, that he touched, and then they began the ripple effect. And I think that was something that I saw with Tim Keller in his ministry. I only talked to him personally twice, but he took the time both before and after the interview to have conversation with me. I mm. remember that. Mm. some authors are there they're on for their thing and then they're gone yeah but he had that that touch that personal touch that's so key i think for leaders to have well and that's the kind of culture that we want to keep fostering with northeast collaborative Mm -hmm. and that's part of the you know the churches and leaders that we have in the collaborative are like that i mean even uh, crawford laritz i mean when he came out to northeast leadership summit you know i offered to him i said hey if you want to hang out in an office or over at Justin Bluer's house, you know, feel free just to get some space and time. And he didn't, he Mm -hmm. spent the whole morning from the parking lot till when we left the parking lot and then even had dinner with more leaders after, you know, pouring out all day long. He went to workshops. He ate lunch with everybody. It was the coolest thing to him just to see someone with that much impact and influence as Dr. Loritz Mm -hmm. to just be another guy in the room hanging out, learning, and just taking everything in and interacting with anyone who wanted to interact. Yeah, That was so cool for me to see that, you know what, in today's world where it seems like almost everyone is very pretentious, Mm. (laughs) that isn't true. There are a lot of leaders who aren't. And I'm hoping that we can continue to foster that kind of a culture. And that is what we're going to try to continue to do here at the Northeast Collaborative because we very much want to help leaders in ministry as they lead and launch healthy churches here in the Northeast. We have all kinds of resources with the Northeast Collaborative available to you. You can find them on the website. It'll be in the show notes. And we also want to give honor where honor is due and uh, we both certainly felt that as far as tim keller is concerned i pray for you dan i pray for me i pray for all of the leaders that might be listening that you remain faithful that's what god has called us to 